3: Welcome to Cavs HQ, presented by Betway. Thank you for joining us on the Cleveland Cavaliers Radio Network. Now, here are your hosts, Tim Alcorn and Jim Jones.
0: Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Cavs HQ, presented by Betway, along the Cavaliers Radio Network. Great to have you with us. and Of course, this week, uh, our first Cavs HQ following the passing last week of former Cavalier and really legendary NBA head coach, Bill Fitch. And so in this week's program, we're going to look back and share some memories and thoughts of Coach Fitch with Cavalier legends, such as my co-host, Jim Jones, along with Austin Carr, Campy Russell, and John Lambert. And Jim, I know for you and the guys that we'll hear from, uh, it was difficult news to hear last week, the passing of Coach Fitch.
2: It is, and it was, because Bill, he had such a strong character you know, that you just don't see someone like, uh, you know, like him ever dying. I mean, it never crossed my mind. I mean, I felt the same way about my father who reminded me a lot of Fitch, who was disciplined and regimented and challenging. And then when they become sick or something and you see them from another perspective, it sort of takes something away from you. But Bill Fitch had a great life. He was well-accomplished who would ever have thought that a baseball coach and what did you call him, Tim, a drill sergeant? He was. He was a drill instructor in the Marine Corps. You know that would be in the NBA Hall of Fame and won a couple of Coaches of the Year awards. I mean, he was a very accomplished man and well-deserving.
0: So again, this week's program will be our tribute to one Bill Fitch. We'll start things off with Austin Carr. We'll hear from AC Cavalier legend, following this timeout on Cavs HQ, presented by Betway on the Cavaliers Radio Network. Welcome back to Cavs HQ, presented by Betway on the Cavaliers Radio Network. Tim Elkhorn, along with Jim Jones, and of course, this week's show, a tribute to legendary coach Bill Fitch, who sadly passed away last week at the age of 89 outside Houston, his home in Texas. Great to have you with us and great to be joined by certainly someone who knew Bill Fitch very well, played for Bill here in Cleveland, AC Austin Carr. And Austin, uh, I'll start things off simply by asking you, what were your emotions? What was your reaction when you heard the word that Coach Fitch had passed on?
4: Well, naturally it was a, I was sad. I mean, I knew his health had been, you know, as a matter of fact, it was kind of ironic. Uh, we were in Houston, where he lives, and uh, I was trying to get in touch with him um, just to say hi while we were there. But uh, and then I found out the information. It was really. There's a reporter in Boston. I forget his name, but he had texted me and wanted to know had I talked with Bill, and uh, and all that was on the same day. I found out that he had passed, and it it was just a, a eerie day for me and. Uh, One that I really didn't didn't like the experience, but you know, it 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 happened and it was just tough to
2: deal with. You see, I know there's a lot of Bill Fitch stories, but -hmm. could you give us a Bill Fitch story? Either when you first came there and met him, through the course of the season, or when we just started to be a good team, give us a story on Bill.
4: Well, when I first came to the team, we were all it was so many ins and outs. I mean, I had six roommates my first year <laughs> with the and uh, he was getting rid of people. And and he and I used to always talk because I always asked him, I said, coach, why do we keep getting out of it? He said, well, if they could play, we'd keep them. And uh, that's kind of how he thought. And uh, so one day we were sitting there and um, uh, it was like about right up to halftime. And <laughs> he he, uh, he came over to me, he says, well, you're going to lose another roommate. <laughs> and, and, but he used to make, and Jim, you know, he used to make those decisions, those snaps. <laughs> I mean, and, and he would never go against it. I mean, and I was yeah. like, oh, man. It almost, it made me a little nervous because I was like, man, if he can make decisions like this. But the one thing he did was drive you and sometimes it was a little bit too much and and I remember one time I had to time said, coach you don't have to drive me like this because every time I'm on the floor I want to be the best on the floor so I'm going to do my work off the floor and do my work on the floor because I want to be the best and from that moment on he's he kind of backed off of me but at first he cuz he he always to me he never trusted the fact that you would do what you have to do to be the best but he, um, he he was he was a tough man to deal with but one thing i have to give him is as he kept going through his coaching career he started realizing that he had to change and and he did try to change even though it was slow he did change as he went, went through his career to understand people as opposed to that people were people not robots.
0: I don't know if a lot of our listeners and Cavs fans are aware of the fact that long before Bill started coaching, even at the collegiate level, he was a drill instructor in the Marines. So he had that tough guy <laughs> mentality,
4: correct? Oh, yeah, and then believe me, that's how he coached too. I, mean, <laughs> I remember my first year, we had some games where we went to the gym after the game if the game, the game was so bad, we went and practiced. After the game. I mean, that's just how it was. I mean, in, in uh, after a while, you, you, it was almost like you were afraid to play bad because you knew it was going to be consequences. So it was an interesting situation, um, at first. And, uh, but that's, that's the kind of person he was. And, uh, after a while, you, you know how to deal with him, but, I have to give him one credit. I was having, when I started having my injuries in my rookie year, he was the one person that always kept me from going off the deep end because I had never had that type of isolation before and trying to get back out there playing with my teammates and my buddies. And uh, he would always give me a little vote of confidence or a little hope, which he never would show to anybody else. And uh, which was really interesting because he kept me from really Kind of quitting because it, it got to the point where I was almost dragging my leg playing because sports medicine wasn't anywhere near what it is now, and um, he kept me from going off the deep end.
2: AC, uh, I have a lot of memories of Fitch and you, and you can testify to this. You're right. Fitch and I probably cussed each other out. What every game you think? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
4: Yeah.
2: yeah, 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 every game. Yeah. Every game. <laughs> I
4: used, to, I used to watch, I used to sit there. <laughs> but you know what though? It almost became the point. Once you realize what he was about and what he was like, half the time I would just let it roll over my just keep going. I mean, because he would always be different later on. He was going through it, it was like, man, this dude is nuts. But you know, it it, it, it but that's just the way his personality was. But uh it made us a tougher team. It made us to the point where we never felt we were out of any game because we didn't know anything. But once the ball went up, we don't stop playing until the ball stops. And then that's
2: just how we played. Well, I know one thing in particular, AC, uh, as much as he and I fussed, uh, when, when we were alone, we used to have some very deep conversations. And uh, in spite of all that on the outside where he and I would fuss almost every day, he played me, yeah. and uh, that's what my respect for him was based mainly on that the guy played me. He didn't hold a grudge. He played me because he wanted to win just as much as I did, and yeah. I think yeah. that was a big part. See, I was spoiled. I, I came from Al McGuire, where, where, <laughs> where, where before every practice, we would sit in a circle and talk about you know, a lot of civil rights movement was, was going on then, and right. talk about race, gender, everything. And right. So we were used to talking back to our head coach, right. and uh, Fitch didn't like that. He would turn red behind his ears. I remember yeah. that uh, he never liked that, but he always respected me, and I respected him. And my wife said, "You know, you you always criticizing Fitch, but but uh, why are you so loyal to him? Because he played me." Yeah, yeah my job. Yeah, well,
4: see, and, and that to me was was where I started to understand him a little bit better. Because regardless of the conversations you'd have, when you get alone with him, it was a, it was a different uh, uh, situation. But he always would play you. He would always respect. You. He wouldn't he wouldn't put you under the uh, uh, under under in the doghouse and then let you sit there and boom boom boom. It was almost like a refreshing situation to have those conversations and get over them and keep going. I just think that type of that's really—it uh, was one that I didn't understand at the time, but now I understand it. And, uh, but at it, it, it the time, it, when you're going through it, it you don't—you don't see it that way. The one thing <laughs> sure too, you had to be—you had to know your assignments and you had to know how to execute. Man, he—he he was a stickler about that.
0: <laughs> and his career and his resume shows why those attention to details became so important to him. Hey, AC, we appreciate your recollections and your thoughts on Coach Fitch. Uh, As you said, it was a difficult day for the entire Cavs family, but we appreciate you coming on Cavs HQ and sharing those memories with Jim and I. Thank you, you
4: guys, for having me on the show, man. And uh, just talking about Coach Fitch brings back a lot of memories, and uh, it's just sad that he's he's no longer with us.
0: Yes, we all agree. Right. Austin Carr joining us here on Cavs HQ, presented by Betway, as this week's show is a tribute to the legendary coach Bill Fitch. And we'll have more after this on the Cavaliers Radio Network. Welcome back. Cavs HQ, presented by Betway along the Cavaliers Radio Network. Tim Elkhorn along with Jim Jones. And of course, this week we remember Bill Fitch, Legendary NBA coach, and of course, it all started here in Cleveland. Great big thank you to AC Austin Carr for joining us in our last segment and continuing on with our tribute to Bill Fitch. We now welcome in another Cavalier legend that certainly knew Bill well and played for Bill here in Cleveland, the great Campy Russell. So, Jim, since you and Campy are great friends, and of course, uh, we're great teammates here in Cleveland. I'll let you start things off with Campy as far as uh, some thoughts and memories of one Bill Fitch.
2: Thanks for joining us, Campy. I know that uh, both of us can tell stories. Austin has some great (laughs) stories too, but you and Fitch had a special relationship. When you became head of uh, the Cavaliers Legends, uh, the director, you and Fitch developed a really good relationship over the years. Talk a little bit about that.
3: Well, uh, I guess, first of all, thank you guys for inviting me. To be a part of this uh tribute to coach Fitch who for me i I learned to gain a lot of respect for him I'll use his word uh over time and, and you know for yourself Jim you know uh, he was an interesting guy I guess I can use
2: <laughs> <that>.
3: <laughs> and uh as you know he was a a guy that was uh, very demanding uh a guy that um, wanted it in some respect his way but a guy who would do anything for you. That's the thing that stands out uh, for me. But the thing that uh, comes right up front is in his later years in terms of, uh, I think you're right, I think we became much closer. And I'm not sure whether it was all about uh, my position with the Cavaliers, but more importantly, I think for the first time we had a chance to really see each other and be around each other other than basket from a basketball perspective, and even though we had great memories of uh, those times with the Cavs and bringing this team together, Bill and I became more respectful of each other uh, later on in our in our lives. Uh, but for me, I really gained gained a lot of uh, trust in him. He helped me understand how to play in this league, even though I came in, you know, as a uh, junior. Out of uh, Michigan. And, you know, we knocked heads from time to time. Just to to kind of give you an understanding of what I'm talking about, when I, when he first drafted me, we had a knock in. He had, he had a knock in with my uh, agent, uh, Arthur Morris, and they could come to terms. So we thought we had came to terms, but um, when we got to the airport, he got to Cleveland and was at the airport. Bill did not come pick us up. Uh, he sent somebody, I mean, that might have been Andy or somebody to come pick us up. Arthur <laughs> you know, Morris was like, hey, I'm not going anywhere unless Bill come and get me himself. <laughs> and so uh, Bill did not come and uh, we ended up getting back on the plane and Arthur went back to Chicago, I went back to Detroit. And then about a week later uh, we finally signed and um, I remember coming to Cleveland for the first time and uh, I met Bill and we were out in training camp out there in uh, Lakeland, I think it was. Mm-hmm. And uh, Bill came up to me and he said, I don't care what you do during training camp. I'm not going to play you.
1: <laughs>
3: and I said, I said, but Bill, I said, coach, you, don't even, you haven't even seen me play. You haven't seen me play against any of these other guys or anything. So how do you make that determination? He said, well, I just decided to do this because uh, I have Jim Brewer here. I have White Davis. I have uh, Fred Foster um uh, bingo smith uh so i just don't see you you playing you know in in front of or behind of these guys at this particular point and i kind of took exception to it and uh i think that that was our rocky start but beyond that you know i really have grown to love the guy you know we met out in uh sandusky at a golf outing that uh, he was at And we spent the whole day, also myself, Joe Tate, we all spent the whole day together. And that day really turned everything around for me in terms of Bill Fitch. He really showed me how much passion he had as a man. He showed me a lot of respect. I showed him a lot of respect. And uh, from that time on, we just kind of hit it off. And I had a chance to meet his uh, daughter, Ann, and her husband, Ryan. And uh, from that time on, you know, we all kept in contact with each other. And when she called me on this past Wednesday, as soon as I saw the number, you know, I knew something had happened. And to me that when, you know, just talking to her and her telling me how he had passed on with all his family around him and and that, it kind of just kind of uh, struck me that, you know, here is a good man that has just gone on and it just struck me bad you know and it really hurt me and uh, i never thought that i would feel that way but losing bill was definitely a, a is a painful moment for me it can't be it's interesting that you
0: talk about your reaction to learning of bill's passing because ac in our previous segment said the same thing it really hit him hard when he learned that coach fitch had passed away last week and it just shows you that in later years, you look back and you realize the impact that he had on your life.
3: There's no question about that. You know that he had tremendous impact um, in terms of just how I look at things now. You know, I was a young guy who was just getting out of college, didn't just didn't just didn't understand his approach. <laughs> I'll say that just didn't understand his approach. But I, I'm here to tell you today that his approach really had a great impact on me over the years in terms of who I am today. There's no question that he left a mark on me that I will never forget. And some of it was good. I mean, some of it was good and some of it was bad, but those things helped me become a better person. And there's no question about that.
2: You know, Campy, a lot of people might call it tough love that's probably the best definition that we could give because his way in this style of pitching was so non-traditional. But a lot of people didn't know that, uh, coach Fitch was, uh, as Tim told us earlier, he was a drill sergeant Yeah. and also, uh, coach Fitch, uh, started out in baseball at like Coke college. He was a baseball coach, you know, up uh, in Iowa. So. His background, he had to learn how to coach, and I tell you what, when I saw some of his Boston teams play and some of the strategies they used, I said, "My goodness, Bill can't coach
3: <laughs> you, know. Well, well, you know, that's interesting, Jim, because you know, as you were looking at the Boston Celtics, uh-huh. and when you look back at that. All the stuff that they were basically running was the stuff that we was running.
2: Yes, yeah, they're running our place. <laughs> yeah, you
3: know, and all the defensive schemes and the hedging and uh, you know getting out on top of the pick, uh, on top of the pick, and you know really staying strict as he called it, or mm-hmm. letting somebody go by. You know, so right. Bill definitely, you know, had a great understanding of basketball. You know, and some days we didn't think so because of his the way he approached it with us. But uh, at the end of the day, it all came together and all came together in the right way, in the right form, to the degree that we became a much better basketball team. We became a much better group. We became more connected as an entire organization. And I think that was part of our success, is that coming together as a group of guys and staff. Campy, we appreciate you stopping by on
0: Cavs HQ this week to... Share some of your thoughts and some of your memories of Coach Fitch—a uh, very special program—and I'm sure for our Cavs fans and Cavs listeners, uh, they love hearing these recollections from you and Jim and AC and uh, John Lambert coming up. So, again, thank you so much for stopping in and joining us this week.
3: Well, I'll, I'll say this—I'm sure that when you hear John Lambert, John Lambert has is <laughs> about Bill Fitch. <laughs> <laughs> well there there's
0: our there's our tease for the next segment. There you go. I'm telling you, wait wait to wait till
3: you hear him now. <laughs> hey you guys uh, again thank you very much for letting me be a part of this. Uh uh you guys continue on and uh hey, no Cavs There
2: we go. Thank you, Kevin.
3: Thanks, Gabby. Thanks, <laughs> Gabby. Russell joining us
0: here on h 2 presented by Bedway again this week's program, a special tribute to the late Bill Fitch. We'll have more after this on the Cavaliers Radio Network. The Real Black Friday will host the 7th Annual The Real Black Friday Black Business Expo at Tower City Center located in downtown Cleveland during All-Star Weekend on February 19th and 20th. This event will provide Northeast Ohio residents with access to 200-plus black-owned businesses in Cleveland during the weekend. Cavs in the Community is brought to you by Discount Drug Mart. We'll be back with more Cavs HQ presented by Betway after this on the Cavaliers Radio Network. Welcome back. Cavs HQ presented by Betway along the Cavaliers Radio Network. Tim Elthorne along with Jim Jones. And of course, on the other side of things are... Great producing team, the dynamic duo of Kurt McLaughlin and Marty Allen. And again, a very special show this week as we pay tribute to Bill Fitch, who passed away last week outside Houston at the age of 89. We've heard from Austin Carr and Campy Russell, and Campy gave a wonderful tease to our next guest, John Lambert, who now joins us. John, I was telling you that Campy says you're going to have all sorts of Bill Fitch stories to share, but Uh, Just your your thoughts uh, and your emotions when you heard last week that Bill had passed on.
1: You know, uh, I have a regret that I didn't spend time to go down to Texas and see him during his final few years. You know, he came back to a couple of events uh, back in Cleveland, especially when they honored the miracle of Richfield team. So it was lovely seeing him then. But I always felt badly that I didn't take the time to go down and see him. And it kind of tells you that when you have an inkling to do something like that, you should do it. Because he had a real strong impact on my life. And I think not only the rest of the players that played for him, but the whole community in the greater Cleveland, and northeastern Ohio area.
2: You know, John, uh, there's so many stories that we all could talk about. But uh, give us a Bill Fitch story that had to do with something that had to do with (laughs) (laughs) in-game.
1: The one that always comes to mind, and you know this as well as uh, anybody that played for Bill, Jim, is that, uh, you know, he, he stewarded the team during some very difficult years. And I was fortunate to join the team uh, during the Miracle of Richfield uh, season, which was my rookie year. And he, he used to run practices. And as you well know, he'd have two days and we'd get run until we were ragged. And uh, the story that I always remember was one night after we, lo- we lost a ball game, he took us all up into the practice gym and worked us out for about an hour and a half after the game was over. And, and you know where I'm going, I with this. And the next morning, I don't know if it was Bert Graff or Sheldon Ocker, one of the sports writers came to Bill and said, hey, Bill, I understand after the game, you took the fellas up into the, the practice gym and ran them for a couple hours. He says, yeah, I did. Said it really made him angry. He says, well, how do you know they were angry? He said, well, about three o'clock in the morning, they came to the house and they egged my house. And he says, three o'clock in the morning, how did you know it was your players? He said, well, they missed. (laughs) 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 And I, I think when you're stewarding a team that's really being built, and, and try to blend the talent together and, and do what he accomplished, not only in Cleveland, but in Boston and, and Houston and other places. Uh, I think you have to have a great sense of humor in order to get through those times and be able to answer the tough questions that the media ask you.
2: Well, you know, his one-liners, he's famous for that. You know, and I, I don't think people give him enough credit because this team had no identity when they first started out, you know, an expansion team. But Bill became that identity very quickly.
1: I tip my hat to you, Jim, because, you know, you held down the fort in the middle for that team, frankly, until you got injured, you know, in that final uh, series. And and one of the things I, I appreciate Bill did was bringing Nate Thurman to the team. Uh, yes, And and he would give you the minutes he had left in the tank uh, to, to steer it. But the, knowing the rest of us, knowing that this guy and I would watched him growing up, he played for the Golden State Warriors while I was a youngster here. And knowing he was putting his all out on the floor, uh, it was a masterful move by Bill to bring him into the team. Uh, I just wish you had stayed healthy, Jim. I'd have a ring probably today.
2: Yeah, you would.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Again, we're talking with John Lambert, former Cavalier who played under Bill Fitch. As this week on Cavs HQ, we honor the late coach of the Cleveland Cavaliers. And John, as you said, uh, your rookie season was the miracle of Richfield year. What a year to break into NBA basketball. But I would imagine at that point, uh, the Cavs were coming together under Bill Fitch. Uh, What did you see from him as a coach that he was able to unite these guys on the floor?
1: Well, I'll answer that in a way that You might not expect. I I think he was very astute at having each player have a role uh, on the floor and hoping that they would stay to what their responsibilities were. And as a result, he had already sort of fashioned the team into a unit that knew what those responsibilities were, which is why we were so successful. Uh, It was difficult for me. And I'll tell you, if you compare the calves of the 75-76 season to the, the different teams you see today, uh, you see a lot of individual play, uh, but you don't see as many guys actually running a, a play right through to the end or getting the right person open for the shot like you did back in our day. And that was a challenging situation for all of us because uh, we had to follow what his instructions were, but it was a testament to his coaching ability that it was successful.
2: Campy and I still laugh, and we tell this story at least once a year. I remember a time out and campy asked Bill, Bill, can we run the same play that we run on the right side? Can we run it on the left side? And Bill said, no. <laughs> <laughs> and to this day camping and I, we <laughs> said what was the logic
1: in that but you know what John yeah. it worked
2: <laughs> Well I I
1: also think that the fact that we went through this together is one of the reasons why that team in particular in the next couple of years when we all get together we feel like we went into battle as a unit and we all contributed what we could to to the greater cause and that's why I have such a deep affection for all of you Oh, thank you. I want to
0: ask both you guys, John, you can start, and then Jimmy chime in. Of course, he had great success here in Cleveland, won an NBA championship with the Celtics, went to the finals with Houston, and then, of course, got the Nets and and the Clippers to become competitive basketball teams. So it had to be more than just his personality and his will to win. Just as a coach and a tactician, why was he so successful everywhere he was? John, if you want to start, and then Jim.
1: I, like I say, I, I think he had strategies in his mind. He studied film. Well, he was the first guy to bring videotape into the or film actually into the locker room and play him ad nauseum for the team to watch how other teams set up their offenses and where they position their players on defense. So we would watch film. Matter of fact, that was part of a rookie's responsibility in Cleveland was to carry the projector everywhere you went. And if you looked at me at the end of the first season, my right arm was a lot longer than my left arm. That <laughs> thing weighed probably
2: 50 pounds.
1: <laughs> so, so, so I think what made him successful is he was what they call a student of the game. As far as I know, he was never a player, but he definitely studied the game and it was the application of what he'd learned from setting it so uh, diligently that helped him to win. What do you say, Jim?
2: You know, he went to those other places and he was successful. And I think it was more than just him getting better as a coach. I think he grew. I think he grew as far as the intangibles, you know, knowing how to deal with people, you know, showing a little more of a softer side. I think he just grew as a coach. And, you know, just like we grew as players, I think he grew as a coach and it served him well. The guy's in the hall of fame.
1: Well, you know, my rookie year, and you know this was true for Campy and true for Jim Brewer. I I don't know if it was the case for you, but he had this philosophy that rookies weren't really ready to play in the NBA. So you got, you know, your share of minutes here and there. Uh, And there's something that used to go on the stat sheets. Nowadays, you know, these computerized high tech and you get the information instantly if you're sitting there at the scores table. But in our day, they used to run off the stats on a mimeograph machine. And you'd have to wait a while. Sometimes the ink would be wet when it would come out. And there was an acronym there. It was called DNPCD.
2: <laughs> you remember that? <laughs> and
1: and I tell all the people that ask me, they say, "What is DNPCD?" And I said, "Well, did not play, coach's decision." <laughs> No, I tell them, I said, look, I was available for 82 games. I just didn't get in for 52 of them. (laughs) I wasn't injured. I wasn't hurt. There was nothing wrong. Just DNPCD. Hey,
2: John, what do you think about the game today? Not to change the subject, but it seems like everybody's playing your style of play. You could run with the small guys. You had an outside shot. You were super athletic. You know, and you had great enthusiasm. Talk a little bit about how you could have played today at this game.
1: Well, people come up to me all the time and say, you know, what position did you play? And I told them I weighed a little bit more then, and I was kind of flexible and played the four and the five once in a while. And and uh, But I'm, I'm the same size as Kevin Durant.
2: That's right.
5: <laughs> uh, <laughs>
1: but that's about where the comparison ends. <laughs>
6: But uh, I could stand
1: there next to him and look like the same guy, just a different different skin tone. Uh, it, you know, I, I think the game today lends itself to, you know, taller players handling the ball, bringing it up the floor, and having a little bit more freedom than to be on the wing or in a post position. And I think that makes it much more, uh, I'd say, deadly from a threat standpoint, offensively and defensively.
0: John, before we let you go, I want to ask you the same question I asked Campy Russell. How did Coach Fitch – impact your life.
1: Wow, that's a a long question. You don't have time to hear the answer. I'll tell you two quick things. First of all, he gave me the opportunity to get into the NBA and and play with a wonderful team uh, that I got a chance to play with in Cleveland. I left and played in two other cities. I played for the Kings in Kansas City and the Spurs in San Antonio, and I played for five different coaches in different towns. But the impact that he left with me from the starting point has stood me good stead the rest of my life. It gave me a work ethic that allowed me to be successful in business as well. So I thank him for that. Wished I had gotten down before he passed to, to tell him that in person, but I did have the chance to tell him that the last time we were together in Cleveland, when they honored the, the uh, Miracle of Richfield team.
0: That's great. Well, John, we appreciate you stopping by. Again, this has been a, a very special show to hear from you and Austin Carr and Campy Russell. And of course, Jim Jones, uh, talking about the legendary coach Bill Fitch. We really appreciate it. And again, you're more than welcome to stop by and pay us a visit anytime. All right, Tim. Thanks. Good
2: to talk to you, Jim. Thank you. God bless. Same here. Bye
0: now. Don Lambert, our guest on Cavs HQ, presented by Betway. Again, a very special program this week. We'll take a time out. Coming up in our next segment, we'll hear from Bill Fitch as he made remarks in his induction into the Naismith Memorial Basketball Hall of Fame. We'll hear from Coach Fitch following this on Cavs HQ, presented by Betway, on the Cavaliers Radio Network. Welcome back to Cavs HQ, presented by Bedway on the Cavaliers Radio Network. Tim Elcorn, Jim Jones, and Jim, uh, before we proceed in this segment, a huge thank you to you. I know uh, those three former teammates of yours are very special guys, and you have special relationships with them, speaking of Austin Carr, Campy Russell, and John Lambert, so to have them come on and talk about their memories and recollections of Bill Fitch was very special, and I know your contacts uh, certainly had a lot to do with that so we appreciate it and i know the listeners appreciate it very much
2: oh well thank you tim uh but uh you know we're all in this thing together and uh when uh kurt suggested the show he told me he had already talked to you and it just seemed like the right thing to do uh there's no way i get john lambert if it wasn't for campy russell there was no way i could have gotten george gervin if it wasn't for Gabby Russell, because Campy is tied at the hip with with those two people in particular. So it's always a team effort.
0: Well, that's that's just tremendous. And again, this week's show, uh, a tribute to Bill Fitch, who passed away last week in his home outside Houston, Texas. And of course, on Sunday, the Indiana Pacers were in town, and their head coach is Rick Carlisle, who, in all likelihood, will someday be in the Basketball Hall of Fame with his coaching resume. But he had a very special relationship. With Bill Fitch. It was Bill Fitch that gave him his start as far as coaching in the NBA. So Coach Carlisle reflected on his memories and his special relationship with Bill
6: Fitch.
5: Well, I know Bill Fitch is is a very special person in Cleveland. He was the Cavs' first coach uh, in expansion, I believe, in 1970. He was here six or seven years and took them from expansion beginnings to I believe the 76 Conference Finals. Coach Fitz was the ultimate franchise builder. He built the Cavs from expansion to Conference Finals. He built the Celtics from lottery to championship team in 81. He built the Houston Rockets from lottery to finals team in 86. He built the Nets. Where I got my start in coaching was playing for him for one month with the next Nets and then being cut and offered a coaching job in the same conversation. He took that franchise from Deep Lottery to the playoffs within three years, and then uh, went on to take over the Clippers, who, for a number of years, were in the lottery perennially. you know, they just were in, their, in the lottery all the time, and took them in a three- year period to the 1997 NBA playoffs. So every place he went, you know, he made it better. And that, that's his ultimate legacy as an NBA. Uh, Hall of Fame coach. I know that there's a very strong feeling about him here in Cleveland because of everything he did. You know, during the years when the franchise was being built up. You know, I think I'm pretty sure Austin Carr played for him and Bingo Smith and um, Campy Russell and you know Jim Jones and all those guys. And and I'm I'm missing names, so forgive me, but. You know, there there will there will always be a strong a strong tie uh, between the Cavaliers and Coach Fitch, just just simply because he was the anchor, you know, that uh, that got it all started here.
0: So that was Rick Carlisle, the head coach of the Indiana Pacers, talking about his relationship with Bill Fitch. And you know, Jim, you look back, and certainly, uh, I don't know if Bill Fitch necessarily had a coaching tree, but I'm sure he impacted hundreds, if not thousands of lives across the NBA?
2: Well, yes, he did. Uh, And the most famous of his assistants was Jimmy Rogers, who was his right-hand man. And Jimmy had played for him, I guess, at Cole College or wherever coach had been before he came to the league. And I remember that I think that he ended up, you know, being there. And then, of course, uh, one of the great moves was when he had Casey uh, Jones, who stayed on with the Celtics, and he was Fitch's assistant for a year or two. So, uh, you know, Bill uh, Bill is part of NBA history and well-deserved. Well
0: well-deserved uh, his induction into the Basketball Hall of Fame in 2019 after his 25 years of coaching, which included that world championship in Boston and a NBA Finals appearance while he was with the Houston Rockets. And Bill Fitch, uh, upon his induction into the Hall of Fame, uh, offered these remarks. So let's hear from the late Bill
6: Fitch. I'd like to thank the Naismith Memorial Basketball Hall of Fame for the great honor of being inducted into this class and with the people that I'm going in with, it's even a bigger honor. I give credit to my family. and My mother would have been a great referee because she made a lot of great decisions uh, for my dad and I. My father was a great mentor when it come to never give up, never quit. The opportunity to coach, I always figured it was it was a good way to keep from working and having a job. It was fun. I was hired uh, in a lot of places because nobody wanted the job. <laughs> it was uh, like starting all over at, at, at a lot of the jobs. And uh, you don't get there without some great assistants, some great trainers, some great owners. All the help I got from a lot of people uh, in most cases we got the job done that team in boston was very good and i had liked Parrish from the day he got out of college but we could never get him in in cleveland and uh because he he went to the warriors in an early draft choice and i remember red saying, well why do you want Parrish?" i said well when we get him you'll know why and i wanted McHale. i knew McHale from the university of minnesota and i felt that those two players to go along with burden and a, Archibald in his comeback, we had a chance of winning big time. You get me started on Larry Bird. I remember after his rookie year, and talking to Larry, now you have got a tough job. you got to go home, and when you come back in the fall, I want you to be even better than what you are now. And uh, when he came back that second year, he was better. Well, of all the assists that uh, Larry made, I want to give him credit for the, the assists he's given by being my presenter at the hall of fame i thank him for that and and uh, i know that uh he won't drop the ball he'll get the assist
0: <laughs> so those were the thoughts of bill fitch upon his induction into the nba hall of fame and certainly jim uh no matter what level you reach uh that's humbling when you're considered one of the greatest of the greats and certainly bill fitch belongs in that category
2: yeah he does from such humble beginnings uh his rise to, you might call Division Two, II, Division Three, and then at the University of Minnesota, D1, and and then on to our league with an expansion team that didn't have an identity or a history, of course. And uh, he established this team with his rhetoric and his pregame and his postgame uh, commentaries and interviews are legendary.
0: Well, what a special show it has been, as we remember Bill Fitch. We'll take a timeout. When we come back, we'll put the finishing touches on this week edition of Cavs HQ, presented by Betway on the Cavaliers Radio Network. That's going to do it for this week's edition of Cavs HQ, presented by Betway along the Cavaliers Radio Network. What a special show that was, as we honored Bill Fitch, and it all started for Bill Fitch NBA-wise right here in Cleveland as the head coach of the Cavaliers. We wanna thank the former players that stopped by and shared their memories and recollections. Of course, Austin Carr, Campy Russell, John Lambert. Great big thank you to my co-host, Jim Jones. Uh, They all had special memories of Bill. And of course, a great big thank you to Marty Allen and Kurt McLaughlin on the other side of the window. Now, I'll be back with you again Wednesday night. The Cavs back at home on Wednesday as they take on the San Antonio Spurs. The game's going to tip off at 7 o'clock, which means the Huntington tip-off show will come your way at 6.30 on the Cavaliers Radio Network. So until then, Tim Elkhorn saying once again, thank you much for listening, and so long, everybody.